0: Welcome, everyone, to DEI After Five, the show that focuses on topics across diversity, equity, and inclusion with some of the brightest minds in the industry. Here's your hostess, inclusive culture curator and coach, Sasha Thompson. Hey, everyone, and welcome to DEI After Five. This is a conversation I've been looking forward to for a very long time. You know, I've always spoken about how there are people that you follow in this industry that um, are like superstars, right? You're just like, oh, my gosh, I love their work. I like, love what they stand for. I just want to be kind of in their presence. And so this guest is someone that was I was like that for them. Um, And then when we finally connected, it's as if we've been friends forever. Um, And so this is someone who has been named one of LinkedIn's top top voices to follow in gender equity. She is a consultant. She is a coach. She is a rock star. And I want everyone to welcome my guest, Tara Robertson. Hi, Tara. Hi, Sasha. How are Um, you? It's been a week, but in this moment,
1: I am so excited to be here. I feels like it feels like I'm in your living room and we're getting to have some of the conversations that fill me up, but like the door is open and there's other
0: people here. Yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. So for those that may not know you, I don't know who that would be at this point. But you know, tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got into this type of work. Sure. Um, So I've been
1: doing DEI work for nearly 15 years now. Um, I'm based in Vancouver, Canada. Um, I started a consulting company a year and a half ago, and I started coaching the beginning of this year. Before that, I was in-house at the global tech company Mozilla, which is best known for Firefox. And before that, I worked in libraries for 12 years and doing like library technology type work and kind of moving DEI forward in that space. Um, yeah, I'm queer, I'm mixed race. um, And I think since a young age, like a lot of spaces weren't built for people like me. So I felt like that friction. Mm. And I realize now as an adult, that's a real superpower because I can see places that aren't built for inclusion and can name it and kind of bring a spotlight and just make it so other people can see that and we can change it together.
0: You know, I think that's something that we both have in common, it's growing up being kind of the other, but learning how to navigate between, almost kind of between worlds, right? Between home, what I'll call home and everything else. And so it gives a particular lens, as you said, to this work. Um, What are some of the things that you're doing now? Like you just talked about, you've started consulting a year ago, you started coaching earlier this year, you know, so talk about kind of the transition into doing that type of work.
1: So the consulting work that I do, I work with mostly tech and engineering companies, like some data science groups as well, on data driven research backed DEI strategy. So if you don't have a strategy on something, your efforts are going to be kind of all over the place and they won't be unified and you won't be clear if what direction you're going and what, what the outcome you're trying to drive is. So I think strategy is super important. Um, so I've been doing that, um, which kind of builds on my research librarian background, the data driven work I did at Mozilla. Um, but also like coaching has been transformative in my career. Um, I've worked with, Two different coaches um, to help me get unstuck and show up um, and be bolder and kind of quiet my inner critic who's like, You don't belong here. Oh, yeah. Like, who are you to think you can do that? <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's been powerful. I, I just finished my coaching courses a month ago. Um, I went through the Coactive Training Institute program with 19 other um, BIPOC leaders as part of Coaching for Everyone, which is an amazing nonprofit that seeks to do two things, increase coaching for people of color, um, black people and indigenous people broadly, like especially in the education and nonprofit sector where people might not have the resources to access that, Mm -hmm. as well as um, to increase the number of black, indigenous, and people of color who are coaches and certified coaches themselves so that we can go out in the world and coach and help like help be that kind of transformation agent for other people.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's so important. Right. Um, so, you know, with your coaching training and I did mine through coach diversity Institute. And what I appreciate about both was the centering of DEI or EDI or however you want to put it as a part of the coaching curriculum. Right. So it's this opportunity to center, um, some of the areas that traditional coaching just doesn't touch or may not have figured out how to deal with um and so i think that that's a critical piece of how we do this work and and how we show up in this work because we understand what microaggressions are right so we can kind of coach around how to deal with that we understand what some of the other challenges are in this space and so we don't have to be educated by clients Because we already know and we've experienced a lot of those things ourselves. You know, so one of the things that I want to to ask you about and something we've talked about before is the difference between coaching and consulting, because I think that there's so many people that are out here that consider themselves coaches, but in reality, they're serving as advisors or consultants. They're not coaching. And so- I want to hear your perspective on that, especially now kind of coming through a coaching program. um, The difference between those two.
1: Yeah, I'll share my perspective. Then I want yours. Okay. Um, So I think when I um, was in-house at Mozilla, I would have said I coached executives. I wasn't coaching them. I was giving them advice. I was being directive. I was telling them what I thought they should be doing. And that's not coaching. Mm -hmm. It isn't. Coaching is really driven by the coachee's agenda, what's important to them, what they want to talk about and not talk about, and the ways that they want to transform their life and work and all of that stuff. So I like hearing, like, something I learned, like, as the coach and the coachee, you're kind of building this third thing together, like that coaching relationship. Mm-hmm. And it enables you to have different kinds of conversations um, and kind of do things that we wouldn't normally do, in a, in a regular conversation. And it's really intentional um, and deliberate. And it's there to serve the coach's agenda and their transformation. Yeah. Well, like, what's the difference for you?
0: You know what, I think after, it's very similar in that, and I still hear it and see it often. It's okay, I need you to coach me. Well, coaching, if I coach you, I'm asking a lot of questions. I'm not giving a lot of advice. I'm not giving a lot of guidance, right? And so I I think of it as almost like a guiding star. Like I'm there to kind of help you get there. I'm not gonna tell you the path to take, but I will give you um, almost like a navigation, (laughs) right? Like help you get to where you wanna go by asking the right questions. Um, And questions that will help you dive deep into kind of the why and understanding why you're showing up in certain ways, um, which isn't necessarily what an advisor does. An advisor will just kind of give you opinion or based on their experience. Well, my experience and my coach's experiences aren't the same exactly. Um, So I can tell you about what I've experienced, but how I coach you may be in a very different way because our circumstances may be different. Um, and it may not be what's best for you, right? So for example, I um, I had a client earlier this week where I, I literally said, okay, I'm taking my coaching hat off for a second. And I'm gonna tell you about my experience. Hmm. And so I did that to just broaden the broaden it for her because she was feeling like she was the only one that had ever kind of gone through this or was dealing with this. And so in sharing my experience, we were able to do that. And I said, now this isn't to tell you how you should handle things, right? But now based on that, excuse me, and knowing that you're not the only one, how does that change your perspective of where you are right now? Um, And so then we could start having some of those coaching questions. So yeah, I think it's definitely a difference between coaching and consulting. Um, What I have started to do in my business is figuring out, I'm going to consult on certain things, but then there may be people within this process that I coach along the way so that I can get back to consulting down at the other end. Right. So we're going through a process, but there is some coaching that goes on in between where I'm helping people realize kind of where they are and how they show up.
1: I love that story about you sharing like being like, okay, I'm taking my coaching hat off. This is what my experience is. How does that, like, I can't remember the exact words you used, but it was like, and like, how does that change
0: what you want to do now? Or right. how does for that you change how you, how you review, you view things, right? Because I think sometimes when we feel like we're the only people, we feel so isolated and our, um, our options are limited. But then when you realize like, oh, wait a minute, other people have gone through this through this too. Like there's a community of folks that may not be wearing the t-shirt that says, yes, I've been microaggressed, but you're not in this alone. Um, And so I find that when people realize that they're not the only, it takes a level of anxiety off um, or there's a sense of relief and like, okay, wow, it's not just me, right? I, I don't have to own this because it's not something that I did. And it starts to peel back some of that. Imposter syndrome, it starts to peel back. Um, are we in environments that are meaningful and helpful to us in our growth and our learning? Um, and we start to kind of put the onus where it belongs versus holding on to it or owning it that, like a lot of companies actually want you to do, right? They're never wrong, right? It's always the, the employee. Mm, that's not the case. You could just be in a really toxic and horrible place.
1: What, what what else I, like, I'm, I haven't articulated this before, so it might be a bit clunky, but I love with with the, as a coach, asking powerful questions and holding space for those conversations and doing that. Like, there's not an assumption about what the other person's, like, ca- capabilities are, what their options mm-hmm. are. And I think that really honors um, the different life experiences and honors and respects like that. I don't necessarily know what the entirety of your life or how you see things, but as your coach, I can ask you a question that might help deepen that reflection and make other paths clear for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, one of the things that, you know, someone has said to me recently was I'm tired when I go into work, Mm. right. They were talking about kind of the hybrid workplace and, like okay, well, what is it that makes you tired? So we started to unpack that, and it was having to code switch, having to leave their authentic self at the door, having to hide kind of who they are, um, and not wanting to come into the office, and and just kind of deal with that, like the burden of that. And so it's like, okay, how do we how do we change that for you? What what does Having What will give you the energy that you need in order to show up more authentically? And we started to unpack, again, what that could look like. And it ended up being what we discovered was in COVID, in this environment, she had created this wonderful home office space that was comfortable for her, that reflected who she was. And then she went into the office and she was like, nobody would even know that that was my desk unless they saw my name on it, right? So I'm like, how can you bring some of that home comfort into that space so that you at least feel like you're surrounded by things that reflect you? And she was like, I hadn't even thought about that, right? So it's how do we start to open up things and unpack um, areas for folks that they didn't even consider? right? And so I think that's the beauty of being a coach. I love watching the aha moments. I love watching the light bulbs come on. I love when, especially if a client is like, (laughs) you know, they sit back like, wow, damn. I didn't even think about about that. Those are the moments, right? Because I think the the possibilities are endless.
1: You know what else I love? Like, I love celebrating my coach'es wins. And this week, this week was a hard week in the world. And what really filled me up were like being part of this network of co-conspirators and people like some women in my life did some really bold, audacious, like badass things this week. Um, someone told me this story about how she went in to ask for a raise and in in my head I was like oh yeah like this what comes next is she's like I did the the market research and I'm asking for $15,000 no she asked for $70,000 Wow! and what I love about that is like like she just went for it and Then someone else told me this other story where they were like, no, we we shouldn't have to apply for this money. Like, you should earmark this large sum because we've been working together and we've demonstrated this huge value for you. Like, we don't have time to fill out proposals for you. Like, you know what what the value is. Like, come to the table. And hearing those stories also, like, it emboldens me to step more into my power and to be like, yeah, like – here's what I'm saying yes to. And here's what I'm saying no to and being really clear about that. So I feel also collectively like, and you do this for me. Like we've had conversations both about coaching and consulting where I'm just like, wow, like Sasha is a possibility model for me. Like one, she's badass, but two, like I can be badass too.
0: Like, yes. Hello, you are. (laughs) And so are you. It's the pot calling. (laughs) But I mean, I think that's what it is, right? I I love that um, part of having and working with a good coach is they take away the box, right? Like, let's think outside the box. Let's, yes, like, let's just push the limits. Where do you see yourself five years from now? Let's get there. Like, there's, when you have the right person in your corner to support you and to guide you and to, also, call you out when you need to be called out because my coach does that to me sometimes. <laughs> um, it it gets you out of your own way, which is your box that oftentimes society has put you in. And so that I think is the power of of coaching, which is very different than consulting. But to your point, um, there's a certain skill set that coaches need to have, and it, which is not advice which is not, let me just tell you how I did it, right? There's those powerful questions are important. Um, Knowing how to ask the right questions, knowing the difference between, okay, this is a coaching session that's starting to go into therapy and where to say, you know what? Okay, I think there's, you may need to see a therapist. You may need to see someone else for some of this work, right? So there's a fine line um, that I think a great coaching program will help you see and understand. And so I, I'm i a huge advocate for people going through coaching training um, if that's what they decide that, that they want to call themselves and, and have the credentials to do that. So go ahead.
1: I just have to tag in because you said something about uh, like coaching – isn't about fixing people. Like you're not broken. There's nothing yeah. wrong with you. Yeah. Um, it's about, yeah, like you said, getting out of your own way, getting clear about what's important to you, what you want to, what the legacy you want to leave from this life is and having a partner who's going to help you move faster in that and hold you to account as well. Um, and in this space, like it, the coaching space has been dominated by white women yeah and traditionally like coaching has been available to like a select few and we know that corporate corporations um most executives have coaches so they Mm -hmm. know the value of that they know that this will help their leaders be better humans be better leaders and be more effective at the things they want to do so i love for us and our networks that um there's more women of color in the space and more men of color too Like, um, and then also we get to coach white leaders and bring all that other, um, experience of being people who walk across bridges into different worlds or who for better and for worse can code switch. Like, yeah, we bring all of that and I'm excited about that too.
0: I love it. I love it. You just reminded me like, yeah, I think there's, um, there's power in that. Right. Especially if you're in those spaces that were traditionally not available to us to be a part of, Um, to be a coach and in those spaces, you have the opportunity to really make some change working with clients that want to change. Like that, I think, is the key piece of it. Um, I realized very early in my coaching, I only want to coach people that are willing to be coached. I don't want to coach someone that was forced to into coaching or that is not willing to change. Like if you want to stay where you are and, or terrified of moving forward, um, I'm okay with you being terrified to move forward because we have something to work with, but you have to be willing to want to take a step. And I think that's the difference. Um, there are folks where, there are organizations where coaching has become punitive, right? Oh, Yep. You're going to, we're going to send you to, to be coached. Oh, like on
1: a PIP. and you know, Right. This is where the word, like the verb coaching, like we need to be clear about what we mean because it, it, it's not giving advice. It's not about behavior change or like a half ditch effort when you know, you're going to be like someone off
0: for underperformance. Like, yeah, it's not coaching. No. Ugh. Or if it is, if you are bringing me in to coach then this person you, you want to save, like you genuinely want to see this person be successful. Right. It doesn't need to be a checkbox to say, yep. Oh, we gave them coaching and we still want to like, no, that that's not what this is about. Um, And so I think that having the conversation and the clarity between consulting and coaching um, in therapy, (laughs) they're, they're very different things. And I think that it's, we need to make sure as we do this work that we're very clear in kind of what lane we're a part of. So I want to do a little bit of a pivot because I think, well, I'll say it this way. As I'm doing my work, and I think you and I've talked about this, right? We're both coaches and consultants. And I see a parallel path almost for both, right? And I talked about how I'll come in, I'll do some consulting work, I'll do some coaching and do some more consulting work. Um, Where do you see coaching and consulting or the blend of the two going into the future of DEI? I know that was a loaded question, but... (laughs) But if you think about kind of where DEI is right now, the work that you're seeing and doing, right, is there? You know, is there a blending of the two? Is it something different? Um, yeah, I want to hear from you because my my wheels are turning on what I'm seeing, and mm. would love to to hear that. Hear, talk to you about that.
1: For me, as like a relatively new coach. I've got my consulting clients and I have coaching clients and they're very separate. Mm -hmm. Um, I love hearing like how you have both of these skills in your toolkit and like kind of combine them together in ways that make sense for client engagements. Mm -hmm. Um, Honestly, in, in organizations for DEI to be successful and for systemic change, like to be made and like, lasting change to happen, um, I think the senior leaders absolutely need to not only be bought in, but really leading. And mm-hmm. the the DEI goals need to be part of the company goals. They need the same visibility and same kind of accountability. Um, so I think coaching some of those leaders or some of those key people can help um, accelerate that change. And there's also something with DEI that I see with leaders, like where there's almost it's a different kind of like, I don't know. Like there's a, I don't know how to do this and that makes me a bad person or I don't know how to do this or respond in this situation. And like, I'm morally bad. And that's really limiting. And I see it a lot. So I think coaching can be really effective there. Mm -hmm. I also think for like um, populations we both serve, like DEI leaders, like chief diversity officers, those kinds of leaders and people on those dei teams like they're often in support roles and they're absorbing a lot and there's not a lot of space for their processing and their growth and direction so i think coaching can be super powerful for for that group of people mm-hmm. i'm curious what you're seeing like um uh, the way you asked the question is like oh sasha sees something and i want to know what it is
0: well i mean i think it is it's what you're saying is um actually a big part of that, right? It's that the guilt piece. So there's these DEI goals and, you know, so some work has been done over the last two years in this space where it's no longer the checkbox things that have happened in the past are no longer acceptable, right? Mm -hmm. So now it's forcing executives to kind of stand into the space and really look at, okay, what do I own in this? Um, which is where I think some of that guilt or like, oh, I feel like I'm a bad person happens. And so that's where um, I'm actually doing a lot of that coaching, right? In the consulting work where I'm working with kind of data, All right? Let's say it's psychological safety, right? Because that tends Mm -hmm. to be most of the time where people bring me in to do psychological safety work. And we look at the results, we look at the data and it's very clear (laughs) Like where some of the problems are, Um, but then it's okay. Rather than being defensive, how can I coach you over the next six months to start to change some of this red into blue, right? How do we start to shift behavior? How do you you start showing up? Um, And I think that that's a piece of it. It's we can no longer. um, And Aparna said it in the episode with her, right? The gatekeeping right? Oh, we have to present this data in this particular way to this leader. They're not fragile. Like (laughs) they can handle it. It's how do you support them in handling the situation, right? You can't sugarcoat. It is what it is. The sugarcoating and the hiding is why we are where we are, right? Because they have been, all of the bad stuff has been hidden from them for so long. And so how do you empower Um, DEI consultants, practitioners, particularly in-house practitioners to support their senior leaders in dealing with, okay, how this is the data, how do we now manage this? Um, And so I think that even in-house folks having coaching a background is important, right? How do you coach someone through that so that you're not taking it as, okay, I have to give advice, like, no, all right, so what does this data mean to you? Right.
1: That I'm thinking about going back to like the leaders aren't a, like it's not a problem to be fixed like they're amazing capable leaders like it's about building capacity and build, them building like a new muscle in leadership about yeah when I hear that psychological safety in my org isn't good like what do you what, what are what's my response like and some of that for me is like the body response like yeah and I think for me, I shut down that response for so long. Cause some of the things that my body was telling me, like, uh, you actually don't belong here. You're not safe. Your <laughs> voice isn't being listened to. Like it was unpleasant. So I didn't want to listen to it. Um, but it took my head, like my head got there eventually, but it, it just took longer. So kind of the same feeling before you get on stage to speak where it's like that, that, that jitters, like, yeah, I want to feel that. Cause that means I'm alive and I'm excited, but um, so, when people are having that response where it's like that punch in the gut, like, oh, like, and like almost all the leaders I've partnered with, they really care about their people. So, to hear that people don't feel safe or respected, like, there is a visceral reaction. Like, it does yeah. feel like a punch in the gut or the heart. So, I want to, and I, now I think I have a lot more tools in my toolkit to ask those powerful questions and be like, where do you feel that now in your body? Right. What does that mean for you? Like, what is that telling you?
0: Right. What is the impact on you? Yeah. Right. Because I think and exactly what you just said is connecting the head and the heart. Because so many of these leaders who are taught, right, take emotion out of it, take feelings out of it. What's the logical thing? Emotions are logical. (laughs) You know, like emotions are real. Emotions are data. And so how do you um, manage through that? And so, again, when you think of um, truly being inclusive and taking out kind of a supremacist mindset of what should be to, okay, what is going to be helpful to everyone, emotions play a big part in that. And they're okay.
1: And when leaders don't listen to their emotions and override that, like, then we sweep it under the rug. And Mm -hmm those psychologically unsafe places and work like the impact often lands on people of color so by not listening to what our bodies are telling us like it doesn't mean those unpleasant feelings go away it just means impacts felt
0: elsewhere yeah i love it not that i love it but you know this conversation i'm loving it Well, Um, i'm just
1: thinking like this world as well like like the last two weeks we've had three mass shootings it's just been heartbreaking in so many different ways and for me like what's really clear is that the human relationships and that the networks we build like that's what we need to build something else because what the thing we have right now it's no it's not it's not environmentally sustainable it's not socially sustainable like it's It's violence upon violence upon violence. Like we need to imagine a different world and we need everyone to do that. And we need all the wisdom, like the mind wisdom, the body wisdom, our hearts. We need our spirit there. Like, and we can co-create something really beautiful together. I know that.
0: Yeah. I agree. 110. It's not,
1: we can't go to business
0: as usual and be like, no, we're not robots. No, we're not robots. So talking about emotion, talking about, you know, just being in tune, um, what do you do to fill up? What do you do to fill your cup? What do you do to take care of you?
1: Mm. That's a good question. (laughs) I think being outside in nature with people I love, like my wife or my close friends and our dogs, like there's something that really fills me up about that like the conversations we have and just the like the sensory experience of like the light in the trees and like hearing the breeze and seeing the dogs like that that really fills me up um and moving my body like exercise Mm. is a non-negotiable for my mental health and for my brain to function well and there's something really awesome just like about getting a really good sweat on and that point where my brain shuts off and I'm just in my body
0: yes how do you fill your cup? Same. I know. Right. So I do um, weight training twice a week and it's kind of the same thing. It's like, I shut my brain off from work and I do weight training with actually it's a women's weight training group. So it's just being surrounded by all women of color that we're all working out. We're all at different stages and different ages, but it's the support that just like makes my heart sing. Um, and I've been with this group, gosh, three, four years now. And like, there's one woman in particular, like Miss Gladys is, I would say mid to late sixties. And I just remember when she first started, how she was just like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do it. I can't do it. And then now she's the one that's like the main cheerleader for everyone. Oh, you can do it. Put five more pounds on. So it's just, it just fills me up. It just makes me laugh and smile. And it just, I love it. I just don't want to miss it, you know, every week. So that's one thing. Um,
1: one sec. What's your favorite uh, lift? Do you like, I do powerlifting as well.
0: Oh God. Like, um, right now. Like I know. Yeah. come and kind of, go. Eh. You know what I, what I love, well, I'll say it this way. I'm recovering from a bad rotator issue. And so even being able to do anything with my shoulders, I get excited about because I hadn't been able to do it for so long. Right. So it's just anything where I'm bench pressing or lifting. Like, I just, I'm like, yes. Okay. This is healing. This is like, I know my body is healing. So I, Ms. I think Gladys is like, you got this. Five more uh, Ms. Gladys is all, she's hilarious. She's just like, I can lift what you lift. I'm like, okay, let's do it. So <laughs> I love that. Um, the other thing, and I tell people this all the time, this is me and my silly TV every so often, um, the TV show Psych. It's no longer on television, but we'll watch it. My boyfriend and I will sit down and just watch like two or three episodes of Psych, just back to back, and laugh hilariously, like to the point where you have to pause the show because we're laughing so hard that we're like we're gonna miss all the show. So we we do that, and I think things like I love to laugh, um, and that's kind of what fills. My cup, and that's even you know playing with my bonus boys. We love playing cards together, and they talk a lot of junk. So again, that makes me <laughs> smile, and that makes me laugh. Um, so it's it's things like that. Anything that just brings me joy is what fills my cup.
1: This conversation, and your smile, and your laugh, and learning a few new tidbits about you, like has really filled me up. Like I've had goosebumps. My heart is full, and. Your smile is just so beautiful. I am so grateful that we are in community and doing this work at separate parts of the country. And yeah, thank you.
0: Yeah, no, thank you. thank you, thank you for being here. I know we've said we wanted to do this for a while. We so did I'm it. So glad we've done this. I we got to do a part two. We got to do a part two. We got to do a part two in person. So we got when you're here out. in Vancouver. Yeah, we'll figure that out. So Tara, thank you so much for being here thank today. You and being in community with us. And everyone, thank you for being a part of this conversation. I hope that you enjoyed it. Tara, how can people contact you if they want to reach out to you?
1: Um, My website's tararobertson.ca, or I'm on LinkedIn as Tara Robertson. Please give me a follow.
0: Yes, follow her. She's amazing. She's amazing. So thank you all. Thank you for being here with us. And you, again, can find us every Tuesday at 5.15 p.m. Eastern. DEI After Five on YouTube or your favorite podcast network. Again, podcast platform. So thank you again for um, being with us and we will see you next time. Have a good one.